0: Alright there, thanks for tuning in to episode 42 of Beyond the ANC. The podcast that plays Bilal Shafiat to Tom Chaplin's Ricky Ponting. I have no idea what that means either, but Andrew assures me it will make sense to some of you. You know, Chris, we must stop leaving it so long between these podcasts. Yeah, at least a lot's happened since the last time we were here. Now, a few episodes ago, we brought you a very special unscripted episode that a lot of you seem to love. So, in response, we're going to have another go at one tonight. Yep, Andrew and I are going to toss around a few keen-related subjects and see what comes out, really. Uh, we'll also be answering some of your emails. And I guess we could devote five or ten seconds to talking about one or two dates the band did across the Atlantic a while back. Oh, well, only if we've got nothing else to talk about, mate. So go on, then. It's time to go Beyond the INC.
1: Beyond the I-
0: So then, Chris, the last time we did a podcast, we talked about the sensational show that Keane played at the Island Life series at Shepherds Bush Empire. Even with the benefit of a month's worth of hindsight, it was a great show, wasn't it? I think we both love to talk about it for another half an hour, to be honest. Yeah, but it was what we didn't talk about last time that got everyone's attention. Uh, Keane played an enormous American tour, but we didn't really go into much detail. You know, aren't we just total bastards? Wasn't that just a horrible vindictive thing to do on purpose. Like the, the words stick in my throat as I say them, but the thing is, Chris and I didn't go to America for the tour, sadly. Yeah. It's never stopped us talking about something before, though, has it? Um, but in this case, we didn't actually receive a single email from an American fan telling us about their experience. Not, not one. Not one. Shame on you. And after, after the European and South American gigs... Um, Even times when we were going a couple of weeks between podcasts, we received dozens of emails with set lists and stories, but after the US tour, nothing. So, Yeah, so we're sorry that we didn't mention it last time, but uh, it's your own fault, really. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Luckily, though, all of that fallout has an upside, and within days of the last podcast going online, we received our first report from an enthusiastic fan from the Netherlands. Anyway, here's what she had to say about the US tour.
1: This was my first time in the US. I went to the Montclair and Radio City concert. I was surprised by how easy it was to adapt to almost anything except for the heat. That was kinda gruesome. Montclair was great, lovely to finally meet some US boardies. The gig was amazing, I have to say I was really impressed by the Helio sequence. The drummer's style works kinda hypnotic, which is a big compliment. Then onto the Radio City which is drop that gorgeous in itself. I could even say that seeing the venue was, for me, just as important as seeing the band. It's just a very intriguing place. Again, top performances from all the bands, and Under Pressure as a second encore, well, that really blew the roof off. What I noticed very clearly is that the American audience is very giving, very loud, and most people were so positive. I heard some people around me saying how they loved Keane's rendition of Early Winter, People were singing along, even where I was standing at Radio City gig. Tucked away, all in the back. Overall, a very welcoming atmosphere and a fantastic country for the guys to tour.
0: That was, of course, the dulcet tones of Marika, who I think has done a little interview for us before, hasn't she? So, thanks, girl. Yeah, thank you very much for that report, there, Marika. So, the um, the big talking point of the tour, um, I think, was the introduction of My Shadow to the set in St. Paul, in Minnesota. Yeah, if you don't know My Shadow, you probably downloaded the wrong podcast. Yeah. Um, it was given away to fans who pre-ordered the album through iTunes last year. But, controversially, you can't get it anywhere now. What's, Unavailable what's to buy. What is that all about? More on that a bit later, I think. Yeah. Personally, I thought it sounded fantastic live. Yeah. Um, I'm, to be honest, I'm not such a big fan of that song. But I, I thought, you know, it worked pretty well live. I'll, um, say. I'll cut over you there. But a lot of the American guys loved it. Looking across to our inbox, Sandy in particular loved the videos of it that went straight online after the show. Thank God for YouTube. I think they should play My Shadow at every show. Fingers crossed they will. And, you know, actually thinking about the last time there was a a massive clamour for an unplayed song to be played. Um, I'm talking like full band, not, you know, acoustically uh, in that middle bit. Um, I mean, you're going way back to when Broken Toy first started getting played in 2006. It's... It's not something that happens, you know, all the time. And then before that, I guess, uh, on a day like today, um, long may we hope it's resurrected. Yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? It's always nice when new tunes come back. Or old songs, in fact. Depends how you look at it. Anyway, an email here from Mary, who wanted to compare the American and British fans. Take it away, Mary. Can I just say that having been to 14 gigs, UK and USA, Chicago, for example, that there is no discernible difference between the fans whatsoever. The US fans are not more polite. They queue just as early. Okay, maybe with one or two exceptions. Race for the barrier, scream as loud, and form as tight as scrum for the boys afterwards that the English Lions themselves would be proud of. Oh, good points there, Mary. And what a lovely voice you have. (laughs) I (laughs) I think a lot of fans can be a bit too competitive sometimes. Um not really a criticism as such, but I think it's just the, you know, the passion sort of takes over. It's like, like there's a place deep within um, Richard's heart, and just one small set of fans can get in, and everyone wants to jostle for that place. Yeah, I mean, the fans in America are clearly as passionate as everyone else about, uh, about the band, and you know, all the reports we've had have been that the tour was an amazing success. So. Yeah, um, actually, and following on from that, I guess another point just to mention briefly before we finish is that I don't think I've ever seen, or at least heard about the band, being so happy on an American tour. No, me neither, actually. We've been following them for, what, five years yeah, now? Yeah, when, years, I, when I used years? to write my, um, my, um, my column uh, for Keen AT, um, back when I had you know, stupid hair and was impetuous and a bit of a fool, um, I used to refer to their American tours as um, assaults on the Death Star. Um, and I think that was almost the way they became seen you know they they weren't pleasurable experiences yeah well, it's something we did actually mention with the band in our interviews in 2007 where you know richard was saying that the long american tours for hopes and fears were pretty much what the <laughs> finished the band off wasn't yeah. it? almost as if that was what made them hate each other so i think let's let's end on this note that you know if the band can have such an amazing us tour as they did this time around let's um let's both hope they don't leave it too long before they head back there
1: Roberts.
0: tim has one of britain's biggest collections of Betamax videos His favourite is Harry and the Hendersons. So then, Chris. So then, Andrew. No script this time. Let's go off the rails. Uh, Off-piece, I think was how he called it last time. Um, What do you want to talk about first? Well, I think we should talk about all the touring Keen have been doing recently. It seems to have been pretty relentless, doesn't it? Lots of places, I mean, um, obviously, I put, I've made like a few notes, I mean, like, Middle East, they've just done Dubai and Lebanon, they're off to Hong Kong and South Korea. Yeah, they keep announcing more and more of shows, and it seems like quite a nice way to do it, really. Far-flung places, Russia, places they've never been before. Mm. Um, and it just makes me wonder, I wonder if this is the, the, the tour that they, they envisioned doing after Hopes and Fears, when it all went off the rails with Tom. I wonder if they, this is actually what they hoped to do, to go and visit all these places back then, but because of what happened with with Tom, they weren't able to. So, you know, it's just sort of been put off for a couple of years, but now they're, you know, they're, they're right back on track. Mm, I mean, I think however you look at it, it seems like they're doing what they want to do now, and they, they you know, I, I think they're obviously a lot more comfortable with it, yeah. Um I remember speaking to someone, I can't remember who it was, in two, late 2004 and saying, oh, you know, what are the plans for 2005? Just And just expecting them to say, you know, we've got one tour lined up and that's it. And then they sort of gave me a full itinerary for basically how the whole of 2005 was already filled up. And you know, being in a band and you know having just done a whole very stressful year where you've been you know the centre of attention in British music, and then know you've got you know you're not going to be able to stop for another year. That must have been quite a lot of pressure, really. Yeah, really. Does. Whereas here, it seems like they've you know doing a few days, enjoying it, and saying, okay, why don't we just go over to Japan? Let's why don't go we? Again. Why don't we go on holiday over here? And they're just getting all these you know the opportunities now rather than commitments. Definitely, it's um. You get the thing they could stop any time. They could stop yeah. after these these gigs in, in Canada and North America. And they're doing them because they want to do them. Yeah, definitely. Um and so while while we've talked about some of these far flung shows, how amazing did that Lebanon show look? It did look pretty good from the pictures, didn't it? Um, just astonishing. I mean if you're gonna play places then you may as well play, you know, far flung places in incredible locations, not just like a standard like stadium or something. Yeah, um, I mean compared to Wembley Arena or something, I know where I'd <laughs> rather be. Well it what It um, struck a chord with me was that it was very much like playing the Eden Sessions um, in that, Mm. you know, the Eden Sessions is obviously a a spectacular location, and if you would say, oh, I I wish we could play another gig like that, and you search the world for another gig like that, um, obviously that is a a bit of a step up, but still, I mean, that's, you know, it's unusual. Definitely, yeah. It would be a -a once-in-a-lifetime kind of gig, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, Good stuff. Sticking with the Middle East... Um this is something that I you know, sort of just like a little thing to mention that um there was a photo blog that Richard did about yep. uh, about Dubai, um which was mentioning about people um I think he mentioned people toiling in, in thirty eight degree heat, um, outside when it was too hot for them to do to do anything. Um and I I it, it's something that's kinda of close to my heart because people um people in Dubai um might not appreciate how or people who look at Dubai from the outside might not appreciate how it was all built and came about but there's an awful lot of um almost slave labor um conditions for workers there and um Richard who obviously you know really cares quite passionately about about human rights um went back later and addressed this with another blog um, about um, employment and labour conditions in Dubai, which um, you know a bit of respect to him for that. Um, if you've um, if you've not read about it, I've put a there's a link on our Twitter from uh, a few days ago, um, which you can have a look at, um, which is a really interesting article. Yeah, I, th- I just thought I'd, I just thought I'd sort of slip that in and mention it as you know the, the, the whole Dubai thing's been and gone there. It's interesting to see they're not just playing the big commercial ticketmaster site, you know, kind of locations, and they are going off the beaten track and mm. and seeing some some other places where you know perhaps bands don't go as much. Now, um, while they're in Dubai, there was a uh, there was a press conference. Ah, um, oh, yeah, there was, wasn't there? And at this press conference, there was a sort of a slight revelation that there, well, not really, you know, uh, it wasn't a huge surprise to us um, mm-hmm. that there is possibly a mini EP. Um, sort of mini album to come later in the year. Um, I guess the reason this didn't surprise us is because there've been basically been no new songs since the album was released. Yeah, it's been sort of like a Bermuda Triangle of music where I, I definitely can't believe that they would only go into these sessions and record say thirteen or fourteen songs. Maybe they might only finish thirteen or fourteen, but surely mm. there isn't there is plenty more material that we've yet to hear, and I just said to chris when i came in earlier like how many how many songs can we name since um since the crystal ball single came out um which was a lifetime ago like nearly three years ago mm-hmm. um there are a couple of b-sides with that how many b-sides can you name that keen of released so we sat and had to think and what, what i think we've got what two oh, well obviously there's time to go from the lovers are losing and staring at the ceiling which we opened with from the perfect cemetery single um, and I think there was, there was another single after after Crystal Ball, actually. But, but there was no B-side. Um, but, but, yeah, basically it's just been remixes or live versions or, or yeah. things, which, are, you know, are great, but there haven't actually been, you know, new songs. So, I mean, if you throw My Shadow in there as well, which is sort of a parenthetical um, tune um, in terms of, like, albums and B-sides and so on, you've basically got the album plus three more songs, um, which is a bit odd, we thought, you know, considering. So... It seems to me that there's a lot of material out there which could be on this E P you know, this sessions they've done with uh with the rapper Knon. Yeah. Um possibly that that remix with Kanye West if that ever got recorded, I don't know. But um there's plenty of stuff to go on it. And I suppose the nice thing about, you know, doing an EP is that it's a chance to do a proper release, but without there being, you know, a massive focus on so if if, you know, Tom's ever gonna stick out a, a solo song, you know. This would be a good good place to do it, mm. not on an album or as a single, but just as you know, stick it out on an EP and see how it's how well it's received. Maybe, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's been done recently. You know, obviously Coldplay, most famously, did the mm-hmm. you know the mid mid album EP. Um, but it'd be interesting to see um, what happens with that. Yeah, I mean, they did start doing the retrospective EPs, but yes, uh, yes, they did. That seems to have sort of petered out a bit. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened with that. But, I mean, personally, I would have... I mean, I, I love digital, obviously, but uh, I think this is the sort of thing where if it had been, you know, a little f- a physical CD with, you know, some limited edition artwork and perhaps a limited run of these CDs... <laughs> yeah, could you imagine if the, if this had gone on uh, the Key Music site? 5,000 of these retrospective EPs, mm-hmm. some some nice artwork from, I don't know, whoever. Alex um, Lake, Rolf Harris. Um... And they just sort of sold these CDs through, um, so straight to fans. Five thousand they'd have gone in a couple of days flat. Yeah, and that'd be a real collector's item. It's something you can't really achieve with digital. Um, and I, I, I just, I wonder how. I wonder how many they sold. Are they? Well, I, 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 I don't, uh, I don't think I should uh, should pose the question. But I just, you know, I just wonder how many of those sold. Um, that I mean, we've, this is this is to be honest. It's been quite a nice, positive chat, really. Um, you know, we've just sort of been saying about how nicely and how well things have been going. Um, you, know, we're all, you know, we're all full of smiles and, and laughter and rainbows. Um, do you want me to bring the tone down a bit? Let's do that. Um, negative things. Well, actually, on um, this last Sunday Gone, um, I watched Tea in the Park. Um, I watched their set from Tea. And they played a, a great set in The Moon. Brilliant set. Mm-hmm and then lumbering in like a white elephant uh in the room i've mixed a load of metaphors there um a bad dream it's um a song i really you know i really used to like and i think it made a lot of sense in the set when they just had two albums but now um it's just it's a secular it really is um where you've got the the anthems of hopes and fears that a lot of the crowd are you know desperate to bellow and then you've got the, you know, like the, the, the LucasAid glucose rush of, of Perfect Symmetry's really poppy songs. Yeah. Um. It just doesn't seem to have a place at all. It's sort of five and a half lumbering mid-paced minutes. And it reinforces all the bad ideas that people have about the band. Sort of ballad, ballads and well, it's piano not, ballads and... It's not even quite a piano ballad. It's just sort of... Slodge. It used to be atmospheric, but given the company that it keeps in the rest of the set, it just feels, yeah, porridge-y. I mean, it's a good song in its own right. It just doesn't fit in with the mix, is what we're saying, I think. Yeah, I I think that's right. You know, I think it's one of those songs which you should kill, not kill now, but at least give a rest for an album, you know, for for a tour or two. And then maybe come back to it later. But, you know, what do we know? What do we know indeed? Um, My voice is giving out, Chris. I think we need to wrap this one up okay Uh, and i'm I'm sure we'll do this uh, we'll do this again uh soon if you've if you've got anything to say about what we've what we've been discussing um just some ideas that we've thrown around um drop us a line and we'll chat a bit more about it on the next episode that email address please chris mailbox at beyond the com. thank you inspired by rufus wainwright Tom is writing a semi-autobiographical opera due to premiere at Christmas. We've already read out a few emails from people about the US tour, but we've got a few more quickies to give you now. Yep, this one's from Lydia. Hi Andy and Chris. I think your podcast is the best podcast in the whole world. I always look forward to listening to it. It makes me laugh so much. You two are so amazing. I went to see Keenan in Liverpool in February and it was great. Please read this email out on your podcast because you love guys so much and it would mean so much. Uh, well, thank you very much, Lydia. That's very kind of you. I, I think that point at the end has been lost slightly, but um, uh, we, we love you too. Yeah, it's always great to hear from a fan, isn't it? Anyway, this one's from Sarah. Um Hey, Chris and Andrew, I'm Keane's number one fan in Ireland. I would love to ring you and tell you about my love for Keane. Please mention me on the podcast, Love from Sarah in Dublin. This is all one big loving, isn't it? Well, thank you very much, Sarah. I've got no problem with giving her my number. Um If you want to, just drop us another email. Next up is Emily. Tom resembles Susan Boyle. Thanks, Emily. Uh, l- one last one here from Laura. Now, a few times you've bashed put it behind you and also leaving so soon. A song that Tim once said in an interview that he thought was one of the best songs he'd ever written. I think I remember you also saying that Under the INC had a lot of fillers. Do you really not like it that much? Well, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot. I I think it is a good album, but I always think it's like one of those S's that you start writing without planning it out... And you finish writing it and then you realise it's not quite as good as it could be, but you can't start from scratch because you're just going to write exactly what you wrote. Yeah, because you didn't come up with, there was no plan to start with. And I think, you know, obviously it was sort of born on the road and, you know, it's, it's, and it was spread out over a long period of time and perhaps that's why it's why it does not seem sort of coherent as a whole. Yeah. Whereas Perfect Symmetries, you know, here's what the Keen Boys did in spring 2008, it, you know, it sums up a period of three months very, very concisely, I think. Yeah, definitely. And has a, has a you know, consistent sound. So, I mean, I think it's a good album. It's perhaps it just doesn't hang together well as a collection of songs because individually they're great songs. Well, I'm going to stop you there because I wouldn't say individually they're great songs. I mean, for example, um, I still think Put It Behind You is awful. Well... I've, I've said that I, I I don't want to be one of these people who, you know, changes his mind after you know after a little while, but I still genuinely think it's not a very good song at all, and the album would have been richer for it not being on it. Mm. Um, I always thought that actually Under the INC would have been great as an EP that started with um, uh, the INC and went through to the Frog Prince as just like, you know, those, is it what, five tracks? Yeah. Those five tracks are perfect. Well, that was, that was, uh, was that side B on the vinyl? Yeah, um, no, I don't know. For some reason, I think it was a two-disc, and it was side, it was disc two, but yeah. Yeah. I've just been told by a producer here that I said, um, the album was called Beyond the INC, which is clearly not right. But there you go. We'll edit, we'll fix that in the edit. Exactly, yeah. Or we'll forget about it and just let it go out like that. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Anyway, <laughs> thanks for all your emails, guys. Um keep them coming into our inbox, which is Chris? Mailbox at BeyondTheANC.com. Keen are the only band in Britain to be managed by a fictional character.
1: Beyond the
0: That's just about all from this edition of Beyond the INC. But before we go, we have set up our own Twitter recently, mostly because we are weak willed and unable to resist such popular fads. Yeah, I've still got my Tamagotchi somewhere, but you can follow us now at twittercom beyondinc. Not the. There's loads of stuff there that doesn't make it into our podcast, but is, we assure you, solid gold. Keep the emails coming too. The address is mailbox at beyondtheinc.com. Finally, Chris tells me there are still some t-shirts here to be sold, and he is refusing to give me any of the cash for them until we sell them all. So please, help him to help me by buying one now, please. He's got it everything must go. Yep. So, anyway, that really is it. We will be back soon with more wit and wisdom from Beyond the Iron Sea.
1: Bye!